Welcome to the Bold Love Podcast here with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr., where we highlight the uncommon journeys of bridge builders and peacemakers that are living out their faith in the public square by boldly loving their neighbor and working together to build resilient communities. Our goal here on the podcast is to encourage you, the listener, to live out your faith boldly, to better love your neighbor, and how to learn to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. And on this week's episode, we are happy to welcome Ben Connolly. Ben is a pastor, author, and occasional professor. He serves everyday disciples, ministry leaders, and church planters across the world through Equipping Group and to help lead Salt and Light Community and Plant Fort Worth, Texas. Ben has written and contributed to several books, workbooks, articles, and publications, has overseen church planting efforts for multiple organizations, and has also taught university and seminary classes. Today, we'll be talking with Ben about his new book called Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. That's available at most book retailers across the country, or you can go to missingthegospel.com to learn more. Let's jump right into it and welcome in the host of the Bold Love Podcast, Pastor Bob Roberts, Jr. I'm excited today on our podcast to have with me Ben Conley. Who is Ben Conley? Oh, man, that's something I'm trying to figure out myself. (laughs) So, Ben, you grew up in Weatherford. I did. Small town, Texas, on a farm. And you moved to Dallas, Fort Worth and started a church. I did that as well. And now you're helping lots of churches get started in the Dallas, Fort Worth area and around the country. Yeah, which is a huge honor to get to do that. And you even went to Australia, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> We've gotten to do some work in Australia and Canada and Europe. And yeah, just God is, for this farm boy from Texas, God has been really, really kind to let me play in some spaces outside of small town Texas. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, Ben. Appreciate you. I'm excited about you and how God's used you, how he continues to use you. And I'm excited about your new book. <laughs> Thank you. Tell, tell, tell me about it just a little bit. Why did you write it? When did you write it? How do you yeah. feel about it? Sure. Those are good questions. Uh, it's called Reading the Bible, Missing the Gospel. Um, and I wrote it. It's honestly been this kind of burden for me since seminary years. Um, when I when I heard uh, out of the Gospel of John, Jesus say to some religious leaders, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life but it's the scriptures that bear witness about me, but you refuse to come to me that you have eternal life. Um, and man, and, and again, like we just said, I grew up in Texas, grew up in a religious culture. And what I saw and, and what I still see, frankly, is a lot of folks looking to religion, looking to our actions, looking to even the scriptures and going, hey, if I can just know more of the Bible or if I can, if I, if I can catch a verse that makes me feel good about myself or this kind of stuff, then then I'll have eternal life. Um, And I think what we miss still, and I say we intentionally, because I still miss it sometimes, uh, we miss the fact that only Jesus offers eternal life. And and so we settle for something less. And so that's why I wrote the book. How do I feel about it? Every time I get to have a conversation about it, every time I get to look back at it, I'm reminded of something, not, not from my words, but as I look back in the words of the scriptures and see again, man, like literally all of it points to Jesus and how much more do we need him? Do we need his kingdom? Do we need his power? 
uh, more than we need ourselves. Um, and so I'm reminded that he is even better good news than sometimes we remember. You read the Bible, Ben? Yes, sir. I read the Bible. You like it? You enjoy it? I like most of it. There are parts that feels if we're honest, <laughs> like there's some, there's some treachery, but, uh, but I have that, you know, haunting truth that all scriptures God breathed. And truly I've come to appreciate even the hard parts, uh, uh, over the years. Yeah. You ever read it and question, why did God do that? What does this mean? Or this sounds harsh. Yeah. There's even parts, you know, Paul and Barnabas came to mind this week where that you, you get one verse about how those two guys who were the closest of kin split ways. And you're like, man, I wish I could get into the mess and see kind of how all that went down. Cause maybe it would help those of us who've been through some, you know, messes with our, <laughs> with our fellow br- brothers and sisters uh, know how to navigate that better. Um, you know, some people say the Bible answers every single question. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that or not. Do you? Yeah. No, I, I, there's plenty of questions that, that I still have. Um, and, and I, you know, there's honestly something where, I've, I've come to enjoy that. And then maybe, maybe that sounds sadistic, but I've come to enjoy the fact the Bible doesn't answer every question because I think if there's no room for mystery, then I don't know. Like, I feel like we'd have a God that was too small if we could wrap our finite human minds around him. Um, and it may even mean that we wouldn't need I'm going to be careful how I say this. If we could figure everything out, there would be no place of faith or trust or dependence. I think it's all about faith. Mm -hmm. I think when you can read those things and not get an answer or wonder why God did that, or that really sounds tough or odd. You know, you read Leviticus. I scratch my head in there sometimes. But the reality is you're reading the Bible, knowing that God is good and he's just and you don't have all the answers. Right. And uh, I think I think that's good, Ben. Well, why do you think it's important to read the Bible? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we would say that God reveals himself in a lot of different ways. Um, but Orthodox Christianity for 2000 years has said that the primary, most trustworthy way that God consistently reveals himself is through his scriptures, um, through through the what we would call the Old Testament and then through the New Testament. Um, and, and so I think a, a primary reason to read the Bible is to know the, the word of God, the overarching message of God, the story of God, which we would also say, Orthodox Christianity also says, culminates in the life, death, resurrection, and reign of Jesus. Um, and so it's through the Bible we can know the message of God. And it's through the Bible that we can know Jesus, who is the culmination of that message. Is there an unchristian way to read the Bible? I would submit, Bob, that, yeah, there's an unchristian way to read the Bible. And Uh, and how do you do that? Yeah. As a generality, anytime we read the Bible in a way that makes it all about me, I think we're reading the Bible in an unchristian way. So Um, so if I've got an issue in my life and, and I grab the Bible and go, hit me, Jesus, give me a good one. Yeah, that may be unchristian. If I can find this one little like cliche, you know, thing to make me feel better about my day, um, if I can find this one nugget of truth that makes me feel like I know more about God, and that's that makes me holier. uh, I think a lot of folks go to the scriptures right now looking for something like really cathartic. If you can just like kind of be a, a balm to get me through the day, and we see proof text verses all the time that. You know, if we really understood the story around them, we're like, I don't know if that would make you feel as cathartic, um, that kind of stuff. So 
we go kind of asking the Bible to, to serve me, to make my life better, to make my brain better, to make my emotions better. Um, and to do that misses the whole point of the Christian message, which is, it's not about me. And I, I can't be smart enough and I can't be emotionally stable enough. I can't follow the rules well enough to, 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 to be a good person. I, I can't is the message of Christianity, but God did and God does. And God does that through primarily Jesus. And God does that through the spirit bearing fruit in my life. And so when we make it about me, we're kind of going against the face of the Christian message was it's, it's not about me. It's about God. You know, as you're talking about that, it just makes me think to myself as pastors, we can even do that writing a sermon. Well, I got to get a good sermon out. Boy, where's the points? I got to really get a good talk out of this thing. Instead yeah. of letting the word speak for itself, we, we wind up, uh, boy, I've got to really get something good. I hope it grabs me. Right. So and all, three have to, all three points have to start with a C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And at the same time, you know, like you, you mentioned, can I go to the Bible to, to grab something? Yeah, I mean, there is, of course, let's not swing the pendulum too far. The Bible does give us knowledge about God. Sure. But more right. than that, it gives us knowledge of God and, and, and his character and not just something to be studied. Um, and the Bible does give us rules to follow and obey. And yet we can all admit, like, we've tried to follow them by our own power and we're left feeling really defeated because we can't, or we left, we were left putting up a facade and pretending like we follow them. Um, and so there's a, there's a space for certainly searching the scriptures to try to know God, more, to try to, to dwell with him more richly. But it's when that becomes the main point rather than trying to see him and yeah. then go, okay, you're the hero. I'm not the hero. That's when we miss the Bible. What is a Christian way then to read the scripture? Yeah, I would submit it's, it's the opposite of that. If we if we first and this and we explore this in the book a little bit, but but essentially uh, what we say is kind of there's a threefold lens to go to the scriptures with, and and this can be true of a single verse. It can be true of a paragraph or a book or Genesis to Revelation. The whole the whole thing. Um, the first part of the lens is to to read the Bible as it's as if it's God's story. Um, he's the main character. Um, everyone else, everything else in the Bible is his supporting cast. Um, and if we read the Bible as, as God's story, who is he? What is he doing? Um, what is his character? This kind of stuff. Then we can kind of go, okay, well, th then, then who are humans? Um, who is the supporting cast? Um, and what we see, frankly, is that most, many, many humans in the Bible aren't that fantastic. Um, yeah. And even those that are, they're still finite. They're still sinful. Um, and so rather than be the, the main character, most of the humans we see in the scriptures need God to be the main character. Yeah, um, yeah. And that can inform our own posture. We, we don't get to be the main character either. We also need God to be the main character. And so that's two of the three. And the last one is going, okay, how do we read the Bible learning to see Jesus as both the hero of the story and also the redeemer? Um, hero because... You know, he, he is, he's the, the only one, he's the one who, who is not finite, who is not sinful. He's infinite. He's sinless. He's everything the humans are not. But also if we just put him as the hero, then we'll all want to measure up like, like a superhero. Like my, my son wants to be Superman. He won't be Superman, but he'll try. Um, and so Jesus is more than the hero. He's also the fulfillment or the redeemer, the only one who is everything God calls people to be. You know, Ben, sometimes when I read the scripture, 
and I approach it from, God, I just want to discover more about you. I want to understand you. I want to be closer to you versus, okay, God, give me some new revelation or fix this problem. I don't know. Sometimes he winds up doing more for me in those moments than he does when I'm seeking him to do something. I mean, it's as if I see him for who he is and his glory for 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 who he is. And I, I love those times when God specifically talks to us and we know it yeah. through a verse or or whatever. But I remember many years ago as I was reading the scriptures and, and I I got fascinated with the word glory and the glory of God. And we thought we think about the you know the majesty of God and and uh, started studying the concept of the Shekinah and so forth. And for years I'd ask God to forgive me of sins that I'd committed and so forth in my life. And I knew the sins that I could see because my conscience or guilt or shame or something would remind me, boy, I'd blown it. But man, when I saw the glory of God, I began, it's like an x-ray came on my life. I began to see things in my life that are wrong, yeah. that my guilt or shame or awareness didn't even exist. Until I saw the majesty of God, it changed the way I viewed sin because I'm saying, oh, God, forgive me of this. But then I realized, man, there's a lot of stuff I was doing. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. God grabbed me. And so you talk about, you know, we shouldn't necessarily always ask God for forgiveness. What do you mean by that, Ben? Yeah, that's a, it's a big question. It's a big lead in to the question, too. Um, one of the things that I got to do when I when I was doing some research and study and praying through the the content of the book um, was really look at some of the some of the things that that followers of Jesus miss about the good news of the gospel in the scriptures. Um, and some of what we miss is when we take kind of I'm going to I'm going to say this intentionally kind of old covenant Old Testament promises and we we live in our New Testament life as if Jesus hadn't died and rose from the dead. Um, and so there's a few chapters in there on different ways that we we continue to live as if Jesus hadn't died and risen. And one of them that was really interesting um, is around the concept of forgiveness. Um, and you mentioned Leviticus earlier. There's there's uh, from from early in the scriptures, there's there's the the requirement of a blood sacrifice for sin. Um, and so Israel and, and our, our Jewish cousins will bring uh, would bring bring sacrifices and they would offer sacrifices for sin. And, and one of the beautiful pictures of Messiah is that Jesus is the full and final sacrifice. Um, and yet many followers of Jesus live as if we still have to work off our sins, uh, yeah. whether it's overt like penance or whether it's more subtle, we just feel guilty or shameful and then we bargain with God, God, if you'll forgive me one more time, then I'll da 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 I have a friend who was terrified every time, every night he went to sleep, even as a follower of Jesus, because uh, he was like, man, what if I, what if there's a sin that I missed? He was terrified of yeah. in his sleep. What's really interesting is after the resurrection in the scriptures, there's not a command for those who are already in Christ to ask for God's forgiveness for our continued sin. Now, there is the initial like repent, ask forgiveness, receive his forgiveness when we come to Jesus. There's still when I when I not if when I sin against my wife, <laughs> I yes absolutely ask her for forgiveness that kind of stuff. Um, but for our continued sin, 
there's not a command to ask God for repeated forgiveness. And there's something really freeing about that. Um, and some some church traditions actually do this really well. They'll, they'll have times of confession. That is the command. We get to confess our sin to God. God, I did it again. I, I can't believe it. I let you down. I didn't meet your standard. That, that's confession. But rather than going, will you forgive me for even this? Oh, that's good. If we believe that yeah. all sin has been removed in the, the full and final sacrifice of Jesus, then some church traditions go confession and then what? Assurance of pardon. And assurance isn't, hey, Jesus just forgave you again. The assurance is, hey, even though you've completely blown it again, even that has already been washed away. Past, yeah. present, and future. Past, present, and future. Every sin. And man, it just makes Jesus's work on the cross all the more beautiful in my mind. What would you say to someone? Uh, Paul has an answer for this, but I'm going to ask you anyhow. What would you say to someone who says, yeah, it doesn't matter if I sin. I've already been forgiven, so I'm going to go out and sin big. No big deal. What would you say to somebody like that? Yeah, I would say go ask Pastor Bob what Paul says about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say we're denying the change that Jesus made in us. Because, um, again. Well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may there abound? God forbid. There you go. Indeed. Yeah. Or stronger language. Heck no, because we're Texans. Yeah. And and so it is in the same way that we've been forgiven of everything past, present and future. He's given us a new identity uh, at that moment where where we come to Jesus. And when we continue to sin, uh, even if we're doing so, that grace may abound in our own minds or that's the excuse we're using to get to continue to sin. We're we're denying who he's made us to be. Um, and yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you're reformed or how reformed you are, but what would you, when you think about Jonathan Edwards, the great awakenings, yeah, you know, and they're down on their face, uh, but they are the phrases in the, in the history books, mm-hmm. uh, was they were confessing their sins before God. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it said about forgiveness, but there was definitely a sense of awareness, a coldness Absolutely. towards God. They were coming back to that. So in no way are you saying we don't need to cultivate our heart, be sensitive to things that are going on, but to know that that forgiveness took place on the cross once and for all. That's it. It changes our posture of instead of being, instead of going to God with fear and trepidation of will he forgive even this or have I pushed it too far? The command is clearly to confess our sin. Um, there is still That's a holiness good. and a cultivation in this kind of stuff, but it just changes our posture to, to receive his assurance. So l- let's take that a little further. So why yeah. is it important that we see the gospel changing our present? Yeah, yeah. Not just our past that we're forgiven for or our future that we dream of, but I mean the gospel in this moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's a great way to phrase it because we'll talk a lot in our own church. And, and you've, you've been, you've preached at our, at our new church plant. Uh, you're you're a, a, an advisor to us. Proud of you. It's oh, awesome. You're, you're, you're honoring and we are grateful for your influence. Um, but yeah, one of the things we'll talk about a lot in our little church and is, is I get to work with pastors, you know, to your point earlier around the world. A lot of Christians believe kind of two thirds of the gospel, that it's a something that happened in the past that kind of tongue in cheek greatly benefits my future. Um, but if but if that's all it is, then 
why not continue to sin to your earlier question? Like, if it doesn't matter for my present, then, then who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteed, you know, how reformed am I only as reformed as Jesus, but you know, only, you can't, can't lose it. But if it's only future, who cares? Right. Um, the fact that the gospel matters to all of life means that Jesus is good news when I feel let down by a neighbor. Um, it's good news when I sin against my kids. He offers me grace and shows me his goodness. A huge part of me coming to Jesus was actually, uh, I, again, grew up in a religious culture, heard heard that Jesus forgive my sins, don't have to go to hell, all, all the things that good Texan preachers preach. Um, heard that my whole life. But what made the gospel sound like really good news to me was that at age 20, I was pretty dissatisfied. And I was seeking satisfaction in, uh, I'll say, leadership roles, which is just a euphemism for controlling other people, um, and what I'll call romantic relationships, which is also a euphemism. Um, and, <laughs> um, and, and it made it just sounded like really good news when I realized the promise of God is that through Christ, he offers eternal satisfaction. Now, that's not the entirety of the gospel. But for 20-year-old me, it mattered to my present life that all the other places I was seeking satisfaction are going to let me down. But through Jesus, God promised satisfaction. That's good, Ben. That's good. Ask you a question? What yeah, you it does. I, I love that. I love yeah. that. Practically speaking, how is it different for the church to be seen as the household of God mm -hmm. instead of the house of God? Yeah, so this is another one of those kind of living in an old covenant kind of moment that a lot of us slip into. Uh, we'll hear worship leaders all the time say, "Welcome to the house of the Lord." Um, in 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 Israel, in Jerusalem, you've been there. I haven't, but there 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 is a Temple Mount, and there used to be a temple there that was the house of the Lord, and that's where God's presence, I would say, primarily dwelled. His presence filled the earth, but but He said, "This is my my footstool." The Ark of the Covenant was there. And so people would come and worship, and a lot of the Psalms were, were going to the house of the Lord. Um, in Jesus's moment of his death, we know this, that the, the temple curtain split, and we talk a lot about how anyone can now approach God. Um, it's not just the high priest who gets to go into God's presence. Something that we can miss, though, is that there is a sense in which that also I don't know the best way to say this, released God's presence. And, and we're told in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, that God's people are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the house of the Lord. Um, and so when we come into a church building, we're not coming into God's house. Rather, it's, it's all of God's people coming together. And, and if, if we deny that, if we forget that, then it just changes what worship looks like. And it changes the importance of community and mission. And if we think about the fact that we are the temples of God, then frankly, every time we're with a, another friend or neighbor, whether they're a believer or a non-believer, then there's a degree to which they get to experience the presence of God, the living and active presence of God, because it's no longer confined to one building or one time or one place with a steeple or this kind of stuff. The, the presence gets to fill the earth through God's people. And what's the role of the Word of God in that, in, in, in the household of God? How does that impact us as community around the Bible? Yeah, that's just it. And so, so no longer does, you know, are, are there only scrolls of Scripture read in, in the one gathering of God's people, because that's where it belongs. Um, 
one of the things that we get to celebrate um, about, you know, printing press and apps and this kind of stuff is we can always take the words of God with us, the the scriptures. Um, but even more than that, we get to be filled with the spirit and and live out the message of God. We get to live out the calling and invitation of God um, no matter where we go. And so we get to be, you know, you've heard his hands and feet, the way Jesus would say, wow. the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Um, and so everywhere we go, uh, people get to to continue to quote our Lord Jesus. People get to see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. So we get to to take the word with us, to take the message of God with us everywhere we go, rather than confine it to one time or place. And that's not just true of us pastors. No, no that's right. That's good. Well, what does it mean to be blessed, Ben? Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk to me about that. A lot of times, you know, and you can go on Instagram and see, you know, I've been hashtag blessed. Uh, the, the story I write about in the book is I, I got a new far- Ferrari. I'm hashtag blessed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and you obviously have some some degree of means for sure, but but is that really what blessed means? And a lot of times the way we talk about it is something good happened to me. Yeah. Um, but ever since Abraham, um, God has said, yeah, I'm, I'm going, well, not even just Abraham. I mean, Adam and Eve, he created Adam and Eve and blessed them abundantly and also gave them a role to fill the earth and, and subdue it. And so... Part of being blessed, and we see this most model in the life and death of Jesus and resurrection, um, is to receive some favor or benefit, not for our own sake, but to give back to God and to benefit others. Um, And so blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are are less about ourselves and building ourselves up uh, is a a brief summary of the Beatitudes, because I know we're running out of time. Uh, You're fine. But blessed are we as as we're filled with the Lord, and then as we end up using that filling, that blessing uh, for the benefit of others and the glory of God. You know what I like about the whole focus of the book? I mean, what you're really saying is in everything, every question, every conversation we've had for the last few minutes, mm-hmm. is we start with God. Mm-hmm. And I think if we start with God, we do get blessed. We do. But when we start with us, we start with what we want. God bless this versus starting with him changes sometimes our request. What we ask for, we've shifted. And uh, I don't know. I, I love that, Ben, because it keeps us eternal in how we think. It keeps us centered in every spiritual virtue, value, discipline necessary for discovering God. I'm excited about this book. I mean, I want people to read it because I know this, Ben, when I was a young whippersnapper of 38, I think, it, no, 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 I was 33. I'm sorry. I started reading the Bible every year. Mm-hmm. And because I'd read it, you know, maybe took me, you know, a couple of years, three years, whatever. But when I turned 33, that's a big deal for a lot of preachers because, you know, Jesus finished, wrapped his ministry up at 33. <laughs> and so I read through the Bible. I've done it every year since. And I love it. Yeah. It's not like rote. It's not rigid. I mean, do you like reading the Bible, Ben? That's where we started. That's where we'll end. Absolutely. It is. I've, I've done the same thing. I love reading different translations and Me too. different aspects of, of yeah. history. And yeah, there's I'm, I'm it's, fixing it's to read the uh, CSB. I can't even remember what it stands for now, mm-hmm. but there's an I, I bought one. I, I hope I like it. 
You know, Ben, I actually am a little disappointed in the new 2020 NASB. Are, are you familiar with that? You know the New American Standard Version. I do. It's, I went to Dallas Seminary, so yeah. that, was our, that was our required reading. But I it's, haven't seen 2020. It's my favorite. Hmm. But I love John. And so the 1995 NASB says uh, abide, uses that word abide hmm. a whole lot. And they go back and they use, they change it now to the word remain, which I get it. But I just I, I love the NASB. But some translations, I don't know, they're better than others. But I'm with you. I like to read it. Yeah. Well, in the abide, the abide takes us back to that core message, right? Like if we're reading for our knowledge, if we're reading for our feel good, whatever else, we're missing it. But the, the scriptures help us to dwell, abide, remain. If we're 2020, yeah. I hear you. There's no. What would you say to someone just starting to read the Bible on a consistent way? What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say that whenever you open it up, and I don't have a specific, you know, start with this book or that kind of stuff. Don't don't start with Leviticus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say every every verse you read, go okay. Who does God say He is in this verse, and what does He say about humans, and how does this point to Jesus? That's and, good. And if we can start with, and, and it's okay if the answer is I don't know. That's part of why God gives us a community. Uh, we can ask, you know, we can ask each other. What does this say about God? What does this say about humans? And especially, we don't necessarily see overtly, if we're brand new to the scriptures, how this points to Jesus. But I think those three questions, those those can, whether you're the first, first time looking at the Bible or you've been doing it for 99 years, if we ask those questions, the Spirit meets us and kind of snaps us back to what matters most of showing us God and then and then who we are as an overflow and shows us Jesus, our Lord, who is eternal life. We always see new stuff, don't we? Always. It's amazing. So I want to encourage you to get the book. Where can they get it, Ben? Yeah. I mean, all the, you know, all the normal book places, uh, missingthegospel.com has a few extra resources as well. Um, And it has links to, to, to different book places. Ben Conley, I'm proud of you. I'm so about to go, you, I'm, I'm about to go to an iftar and speak to a few thousand Muslims later tonight mm-hmm. about Jesus and what we believe. And man, without the Bible, there would be no message. Yeah. So uh, there's nothing any more important. I hate it when people minimize the Bible or when they don't take it serious or they want to tell you their their opinions. But they want to go. Don't want to go back to God's word because that's that's our foundation. I love you, Ben. Thanks for writing this book, and I pray that it's a bestseller and that you're able to go buy a jet airplane and go all over the world. And then I'd be blessed. (laughs) God bless you, buddy. You too. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this insightful conversation and storytelling journey here with Pastor Bob. For more information on the podcast, including show notes and links and any references discussed in this conversation today, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com and you can get all the information there. Thank you so much again for joining us. And remember at the Bold Love Podcast, we want to encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor and how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. Have a great day.